Hi, friend. Welcome to episode 47 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab podcast. My favorite drama teacher, Amber Harrington from Edison High School, joins me from Tulsa, Oklahoma, on this episode of Sally Pal. Sally Pal podcast host, Sally Adams. I talk to people about creating original work for a live audience. Send an email anytime to sally at sallypal.com. Before I share the interview, I have an update on my empire. Sally Pal now has a store. The Sally Pal Shoppie. You can buy t-shirts, totes, and coffee mugs with vintage photos and paintings. Each one has a caption or speech bubble that will make you chuckle, especially if you've ever been backstage. Go to sallypal.com shop. That's sallypal.com S-H-O-P. And see for yourself. Next up, I've been toying with a YouTube channel, but I could use some advice. So far, I've used it for live town stages interviews, encouragement, and my own original music and covers but I'd like to know what you want to see. My son, my music partner, and I are working on a new musical. Would you like to see the process and what that actually looks like? Do you want me to share some videos of original performances from around the world? Do you want more video interviews? I have to admit, I've got a steep learning curve on this one. Just go to YouTube and look for the Sally Pal channel. Subscribe and comment so I can start sharing useful stuff. Before I tell you about an amazing drama teacher, I want to share with you about a little project at our Virginia cottage. Because I am constantly struggling to get better sound, George and I created a recording studio in an understair cabinet cupboard closet. If you want to get a gander at my Harry Potter cupboard under the stairs space, check out the blog for images. You might even be inspired to try something like this in your own home. It required that we both give up items of clothing we no longer wear to free up the space. But that's a good thing, right? Amber Harrington lives by her mantra, work hard and don't be a jerk. She's been teaching theater in Tulsa, Oklahoma for nearly 20 years. This very special artist has received numerous awards for her teaching, and her students regularly win awards for their performances and technical work. Every year, she expands the theater program that has changed so many lives, including the lives of my three kids. Amber teaches nearly 250 students each year. This sometimes requires her to accommodate two classes at once. This would be tough enough for most teachers, but Amber's organizational skills, work ethic, and Google Classroom make it work. She learned what it means to be a drama teacher from her dad, Paul Harrington, who taught her about raising money, building sets, and marketing the work of young local artists on a very small salary. In fact, to this day, Paul still stops by to help build sets and collect props. Amber Harrington graduated from Southeastern Oklahoma State University with a theater degree after learning every facet of theater craft. As a teacher, she created projects and performances that helped her students grow, and every year the Edison Eagle Theater Program gets a little bigger. There are so many opportunities in her department. 
Early in the school year, there's a district-wide one-act competition that has often led her students to compete at the state level. The annual Halloween show, Creeps, has dance, music, spoken word, and original writing. Fall Funnies features comedy scenes and monologues. She produces main stage plays and musicals with the help of other interested teachers, including history teacher Chris Burnham and now-retired Folger Shakespeare Library mentor teacher Paul Stevenson. When the Oklahoma teacher walkout caused students to forego one of the annual productions, Amber created a summer comedy camp to make up for lost stage time. During the school year, she produces an audition-only stand-up comedy show that includes some very funny student-written routines. Edison Eagle Theater also produces an annual Saturday Night Live knockoff called Thursday Night Live, or TNL. I've often thought the kids' original skits were funnier than the actual SNL. As a Folger Shakespeare Library teaching artist herself, Amber makes Shakespeare accessible to the kids. Just recently, one of her students won the Shakespeare competition that leads to a national event in New York City. Her school-wide Shakespeare Festival has produced other national contenders over the years, and Amber and her students began a new tradition in 2017 featuring monologues written by students that focus on the lives of dogs, called Dogalogues. The December show raises money for one of Amber's favorite charities, the Promised Land Dachshund Sanctuary. There's a link to the PLDS in the show notes, or you can look for them on Facebook, which, according to Amber, is a demon. So many young artists have trod the boards under Amber's watchful eye, including my three kids. I give her credit for instilling a sense of confidence and encouraging integrity. Amber now has her 10-year-old son joining the fun by teaching him to operate the light board and including him in the summer comedy camp. One nice thing about teaching is having time in the summer to spend with your kids. One tough thing about teaching is being able to afford your kids. The Oklahoma teacher walkout last year in the national news was not unexpected. For those of us who have taught in Oklahoma public schools, politics loom large. But Amber is committed to supporting the kids by keeping politics out of all theater department activities. She finds ways to create a positive environment where all students feel welcome. Amber commits every day to the drama class as a safe space, even in the face of difficult circumstances for teachers. She believes in taking the art seriously without taking yourself too seriously. Eagle Theater kids are required to do some performance-related writing. She created one of the first playwriting programs in a high school. She believes in students creating original work to a deadline, and as she points out, theater is the hardest deadline. All of these programs should be enough for any teacher, but Amber goes the extra mile. She takes the existing deaf education program and incorporates ASL signing by having interpreters for performances and encouraging deaf students to participate in shows. Her program produced the only two Oklahoma winners of the Kennedy Center Very Special Arts Youth Playwriting Program. In my interview with Amber Harrington, we talk about the amazing voice coach, Rena Cook, and the play The Harry Falsetto by J.I. Rodell. We also talk about presentational acting versus teaching kids how to access feelings in a role, a process Amber refers to as turning a corner. The political climate in education came up, of course, and we discussed the juiciness of the long silence in performance. There's so much to talk about with Amber, including artist Tom Self's original t-shirt designs for Creeps. They're collector's items now. Amber's dad writes large cast plays that are often performed on the Eagle Theater main stage. The number of events she produces led to the development of a black box theater space. 
Her casts have won all-state one-act competitions, and all-star winning cast members are often Edison actors. This very committed teacher makes theater classes challenging, exciting, and fun. According to her students, the experience is worth every critique, long rehearsal, and ugly cry. Performing on stage is a risky business, but with the encouragement of a teacher like Amber Harrington, students take artistic risks with confidence. I know you'll enjoy episode 47 with high school drama teacher Amber Harrington. Be sure and listen until the end of the interview for concise advice from the interview and words of wisdom from George. Harrington, thank you for joining me on Sally Pal today. I'm so excited to talk to you. I know, it's so great, because we hardly ever get to see each other anymore since we moved to Virginia. Since you left me. You know, it's pretty nice out here. You might like it. Don't tempt me. You're a teacher. How long have you been teaching? This will be 19 years. You're much more than a teacher, though, as anyone who's had your classes knows. I never was lucky enough to have you as a teacher because I am way older than you, but my kids were lucky enough to have you as a teacher, and you are definitely the kind of teacher, say aw shucks if you like, but you're the kind of teacher that makes a big difference in children's lives. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you did that. You are a theater teacher in Tulsa, and you've had students go on to some really pretty amazing things, and I really think you gave them some confidence and some work ethic that people don't always associate with drama programs in high school. My kind of philosophy and goal is just do as much as you can. Honestly, every year I try to add something to the season or switch up one of the you know traditional things we do each season because there are so many students and the more opportunities you give them to write and to be on stage and to direct and to design, the, the more they grow. That's the only way they can grow. You can do as much as you want in class, but actual performances and actual shows with an audience, it's how they grow. And if you only do two shows a year, straight playing a musical, you leave so many students out of the mix. When you have a student who seems to express an interest in theater, but you're not seeing that they have an understanding of what it takes to, say, put on a short play. I feel like we kind of have a schedule that allows it to, like a Halloween show creep. That's easy. That's a really easy lift. That's two rehearsals, a couple of, you know, pre-rehearsals before that. And then we have, like, our one-act competition, which is for those kids that know you have to be there every single day. And I think that the reputation of the department kind of precedes me having to, you know, try to convince people to do more or the work. I think they know about the work kind of before they get to me. One of the things that we saw in Will, my son, who's now, who's just graduated with a drama degree, he started out in your program being one of those, you know, silly nits who just does whatever he wants and doesn't really pay much attention to what needs to be done. I will work around schedules if it's another school thing like band or student council or track or, you know, any sort of sport or thing like that. It's just those main stage plays that you have to really be 100% committed to the program. Or like I tell the kids, you know, you'll have a mediocre product. That's never going to be okay with me. What I watched happen, and this wasn't just Will, but this was all of your students who stayed with the program through senior year and really committed to it, is by the time they were seniors, they were telling the sophomores who were like them, don't do that. This takes commitment. This takes time. This takes higher order thinking. And it's not for everyone. I I think the work is the number one thing that maybe drives kids away. 
sometimes. It's not because in our program you're going to get a part. You know, you're going to get a chance to lead. It's a big commitment. How did you get that for yourself? Where did that come from? Because you are committed and you have a strong theater background. Well, my dad was a drama teacher, so I grew up in the theater. And I knew about the long hours, and I knew about fighting for space and fighting for money and (laughs) fighting Mm -hmm. for respect. So I knew about all that. And then my college program, I went to Southeastern in Oklahoma State University in Durant. They had a very rigorous program with a summer theater, a Shakespeare festival. And it was just a lot of work, and it never has felt like work to me. I was going to ask if you thought your son would be interested in doing theater. He loved it. We actually got to do a show this summer. I started a comedy camp at Edison because of the walkout. We missed the show, and missing a show in the spring semester is like missing spring training in baseball. You know, it's so the students all miss an entire production, so I said, okay, we'll do a summer camp. We got to do one of my dad's plays, and I was in it, and AJ got to be in it. It was kind of a really like three generations, and he loves it, And he, but he also loves the technical side. I taught him to run lights for camp this summer, and he really loves running the light board and that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, I don't want to push him. I never wanted to push him because I want it to be organic. I want him to really love it, and I think he does. How old is he now? He's going to be 10 the day after tomorrow. That's amazing. Your program, as many drama programs do, are an opening for kids who don't fit in other places. Have you ever thought about why that is? It's all about the, we have a product, and we have a process, and we have a family, and I try to create a safe space, and I tell you, it's getting harder because I feel like we're kind of divided. So it's getting harder, but we kind of don't be a jerk is my rule. Work hard, don't be a jerk, and you can fit in here. <laughs> And, you know, we stay busy. You know, it doesn't mean I don't have to have some chats yes. <laughs> when things get, things, you know, things get tough when you work on a hard deadline. Theater right. is the hardest deadline. I have lifelong friends. Yeah. There's lifelong friends that come out of my program. I'm really proud of that. And, you know, I love to watch so many successful kids in everything, not just theater. They've gone on to be so successful and happy, and I love to see their little families starting and their careers. It's exciting. And, and right. you know, Facebook is awful. <laughs> demon but I do love being able to watch my students. It is kind of a shame that this thing that that foments so much bad feelings is actually also responsible for connecting people in such a positive way. Technology is always (laughs) two-sided. I I love that you adapt your program around how your students are interested in growing. There are some examples of programs that adapt around the talent of certain students, but you actually adapt your program around how your students want to grow. Class sizes have grown so much Mm -hmm. at Edison. Like last year I had 235 students. I have to double teach class sometimes, so my playwriting class actually takes place at the same time as my Tech Theater 2 class. But while while I'm working with the Tech Theater kids, the playwrights have an opportunity to write. They have their own space, actually. They, they do have their own space where they can go and write. Yeah. And then when I'm reading, when we're doing readings and feedback, talking and reading plays, then the tech theater kids have their responsibilities with what they have to do. Google Classroom is, is amazing because they can submit to me. I can write feedback. You know, everyone in the classroom can read the play just on their computers at home at night whenever whenever they get the opportunity. So yeah. that that's really a, a cool tool. Are you finding that there are more and more students that are looking at writing as a viable option, like a way to get into college or something they could actually do? They're not. (laughs) And I don't know if that's a a parental thing, but we need new playwrights. There's such a need for playwrights. We have actors, we have technicians, we have dancers, but, but playwrights, 
we need playwrights. As a drama teacher, I struggled with finding material that was both appropriate. Appropriate wasn't corny. Right? The hardest thing is... Making high school students like the kids on Glee. <laughs> yeah. Glee's awesome and it's fun and everything, but that's not the real world. You don't want it to be childish, but by the same token, not every play has to be about teen suicide. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we write about all, all different kinds of things. Um, right. And then they have assignments. There's so much now, and we do stand-up. That's what we start our season with, is the stand-up show, stand-up comedy night, funny for funding. And it's not a competition anymore. It's just a, an evening of stand-up. So that's student-written. And creeps, I'm, I'm also going to bring the creeps playwriting back into my regular drama classes, because a lot of those kids didn't get to write, because I kind of saved the writing for my playwriting class. I need all my classes to write. So last year, Fall Funnies was probably um, one-third student-written. So we, we love that. And then TNL, of course, was all student-written. We would always do a show before Christmas that was just an evening of scenes and monologues, and it was called The Snow Show. But when we got the black box, I had a couple students, Maria Stody and Nathan Hatfield, and I was trying to think of something good to call our fall show. I said, I don't want to do Snow Show anymore, and I want it to be funny because the play we've done was so heavy for one act. I said, I want to do something funny, and they said, let's call it Fall Funnies. And I just, I love the name, and it just kind of stuck. It stuck like the Creeps name stuck. And it started to become comedy scenes and monologues and... And each class audition, from my drama one, I try to add a little bit of drama one, a little bit of eighth grade, um, and then my upper level classes, they all compete to get into Fall Funnies, they audition in class, and then I have students like my playwrights and directors who sometimes don't have an acting class, they can come in on their own and audition to be in Fall Funnies. But everyone prepares their own stuff. And I just picked the funniest stuff. Now, Creeps is a little bit more production value, and that's still done in the auditorium. My, I want to say my second, I can never quite remember, my second or third year, I decided to do a Halloween variety show. We would do a short play and a dance, and I had a deaf girl who was going to sign The Raven and use the Blue Oyster Cult song, The Raven, it kind of went along with it. And so that kind of started, but we called it Spirits that first year. And then the second year, I had a contest in my tech theater class to name the show. What do we want to name our Halloween variety show? And they came up with creeps, and I liked it. And I thought every year we would name it something different, but the next year someone was like, are you doing creeps next year? So creeps just stuck, and it's a Halloween variety show. It went from having probably 20 kids in it to now we have like 150 students that are involved. What kind of an audience do you draw for that? It's huge, isn't it? It's huge. It's our biggest pool. It's one night only. It will always be one night only, and it will always only be $5. <laughs> people are try- people over here just said, you know, you could charge 10 I could, but it's that $5, one night only, creeps. It's the funnest night of the year for us. Lots and lots of work. Oh, also, everybody who auditions for Creeps gets yeah. to be in Creeps. And you have the most sought-after T-shirts. Oh, yes, the T-shirts. Tom Self designs our poster and T-shirts. He's a professional. Do you ever see people walking around in those Creeps T-shirts and think, yeah, that's a really cool T-shirt. I'd wear that. <laughs> I absolutely love the T-shirts and the posters. You could probably sell those online, you know. You know, you're right. And I tried to get them all together from before we had Tom, like way back when I was designing them. They were right. not good. <laughs> they weren't terrible. But yeah, I'm like Tom self. <laughs> I do have a guest here. At this point in the interview, my 26-year-old daughter Emily entered the room, and she had a few questions for her former drama teacher. Can you talk a little bit about how you have incorporated deaf students into your programs? Well, Kanee was just never even an option to not. <laughs> I've had students that were just interested in acting, and I love working with them. I did this last year have a student with a cochlear implant, and he had a really great struggle, and I, and I wish I'd had him in playwriting because 
he was originally a boxer and had to choose between the cochlear implant and remaining a boxer because he couldn't do both. If you get hit, you know, an implant, it could cause brain damage. So that was kind of a struggle he had that I thought was so interesting. But yeah, because Edison is, is the deaf theater, we have all the deaf and hard of hearing students there at Edison. Um, I've had several in tech theater recently, excellent students, funny, hard workers. But like I said, I was talking about our first creep. I had a deaf actress and we had her sign The Raven and then we played like the Blue Oyster Cult version of it. For a lot of people, it was the most memorable part of the evening. What kind of advice would you give to someone who wanted to incorporate more students with impairments? I mean, I think it's it's not that hard. <laughs> you know, be creative. There's absolutely a place for everyone. Yeah. Just be creative. Amber taught me so much just watching you work, and I learned so much about working with kids with disabilities from you because I wasn't as open-minded as I should have been, and now from your example, I've actually way opened up that door and found that one of the most exciting things is to work with people who've been forced into a world of having to think differently because they've had to adapt. I mean, it all goes back to my original philosophy. If you work hard, you're in. <laughs> yeah. If you're a hard worker, you're in with me, and you'll be a big part of, of my program. And that's just really the bottom line is work hard, don't be a jerk, and you're going to be successful and you're going to get time on stage and you're going to get time to write and design and create. The number one thing that you taught me, and I use it all the time, I use it in my personal life, I use it with my friends when somebody's going through loss, that you told me that it's okay to be upset about things. It's okay to be upset when you lose or you get, you get let down or someone hurts your feelings or whatever, but you have to put a timer on that sadness and move on. You said put a timer on it, and I was like... You know, that's that's maybe some of the best advice anyone's ever given me. And I use it over and over. Yeah, I use that too. <laughs> if you didn't care, it wouldn't hurt. But don't wallow. Don't let it become who you are. I'm so glad that was useful. Best advice. You know, the thing that happens so often is kids, uh, even adults, are told, it's not so bad, get over it, you know, rub some dirt on it, whatever. But sometimes I think... You really owe it to yourself to feel those feelings, especially if you're an artist. You have to. We call that the ugly cry. Oh, God. <laughs> I hate the ugly cry. Emily had an experience with that when she did the I lesbian did. exhibit, which you saw Will's play. There's this scene near the end of Act 1. I think it is the end of Act 1 mm -hmm. where my character rips up the tissue box and just, like, sobs on the floor. And the first few times I did that, I was doing it, I can cry on command, it's a, one of the perks of being very sensitive, <laughs> and I did it the first few times, and it was a very delicate cry, and Will got upset with me, mm -hmm. he was like, you can't do the delicate cry, you have to do the ugly cry, and it wasn't until he actually got mad at me, and I got pissed off at him, because he was getting mad at me, and <laughs> I was like, you want an ugly cry, I'll show you an ugly cry. <laughs> That's the thing about acting, isn't it, Amber, when you get kids to actually let go of whatever, I think it's almost easier with kids sometimes. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to watch. I always call it turning a corner. You love to see them turn that corner where they go from acting to feeling. And you, know, it, you feel and then you act and then you go back to feeling. And it's, because I always hate the note, you know, I just felt like you were acting. Like, thanks. What you, thanks. That's what exactly what I'm doing. I think that's such a pop-out note, too, get, to give someone, you know, when you're giving feedback. I just felt like you were acting. Well, good, because I'm, I'm in a play. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. sure you picked up on that. <laughs> now, give me something I can work with. I started using presentational instead. 
Which you know, is like, so much more helpful, yeah. Stop. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said one time that when you gave us feedback for one act, you were like, I feel like you threw up the play on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was very well said. I wish I'd been a little more sensitive, darn it. No, it was perfect because we were going too fast and we weren't, like, enjoying any of the moments. Yeah. So we just, just kind of vomited the play up on you. Rena Cook worked with me early on, and she's the one who taught me the juiciness of the long silence there are moments and you can't use it really almost you can't really use it more than once in an act but that moment where you just stretch it beyond where you are even a little bit comfortable and let it go and then you can sense the audience is getting squirmy but it's not about that it's like that's what life is there are moments when we just can't talk to each other exactly and there are things being expressed in those moments that you can't express any other way I agree. In light of how things have been going in whatever's going on politically in schools, is that having any kind of an impact on your experience other than large class sizes? Um, it, last year was weird. It was a weird year. You know, I do just stay kind of to myself. Mm -hmm. I do my own, stay in my little world down there, do my plays, stay out, stay out of everybody else's business. But I am a department chair, so I know it affects, it affects, you know, everything. It affects everyone, the morale of the school the morale of the kids you know they see their teachers are upset and they worry about us <laughs> honestly the kids yeah. do you can tell and you also provide a safe space which is so important i do i really i really try to you know teenagers are really they, they think they're super casual they act like they're casual and they don't care about everything but they really are just a huge ball of nerves and stress and discovering who they are and growing up and their home lives and and they're working and they're trying to go to school and they're trying to figure out what they want to do and what they love and then they have a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's a, it's nice just to have a place where you can come that's positive and friendly and I and I can't really put my finger on why it's worked out so well or how, <laughs> but you know not to say that that you know there is not some times in there when sometimes in our program when there's people who are arguing or what have you, but it's just you know respect each other, be kind. Allow people to be whatever they want to be and whoever they are. It's it's okay to be around people who don't think like you. Don't be a jerk. Yeah, just don't be a jerk. <laughs> that's all it is. I think that's work hard and don't be a jerk. My, my space is also politics-free space. Oh, that's smart. We don't discuss politics at all. That forces you to have to talk about other things. Absolutely. We've got, we got, we got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. Is there any last bit of wisdom you want to lay on us? Oh, I, I do want to talk about dog walks real quick. Yes, yes, I'm kind of, yes, I'm kind of really, really proud about that, and it was something I, I said I wanted to make sure I talked about. As you know, if you, if you are my friend on Facebook, you know that I follow all these weenie dog rescues. So there is a place called the Promised Land Dachshund Sanctuary, and they take in elderly or injured dachshunds that have been given up. Like a lot of times their owner dies, or they're just found abandoned, or they're just old and not doing well, and they're just a nonprofit. So I said, I'm going to do, like, a show. I'm going to do a show to raise money for the, for the sanctuary, a service project. You know, because we do a lot, but we don't do, I'm thinking, you know, we do a lot, but we don't do a single service project. This would be a great service project for my company. So students wrote, monologues from the point of view of a dog, or about a dog, or they could be, you know, a cat or some other animal talking about a dog. So it was absolutely the most wonderful writing I've, I've gotten in a long time. And I, you know, I pick the best ones, and they have to project a picture. What they do is project a picture of a dog on the big screen. 
and then they do their monologue. And some of them are so funny, and some of them are super sad, and some of them make you think. A really great one was the kid wrote about a dad and his son who were driving home, and they ran over. So he had to tell the son, uh, the, the son was very young, kind of explain about what it means for something to die. And it was just so cool. Had another girl who played a, a, a pit bull who was um, going to fight, had to go out and do a fight. You know, so it's not all dog and a pound. <laughs> it's not all dog and a pound monologues, which I thought, oh, God, please, don't let this be all dog and a pound monologues. So this is our second year to do this. We'll do it every year until, um, you know, I think we're really going to try to take the best ones this year and maybe get them published as a group. The kids seem to really love it. And then we give the proceeds, all the proceeds go to the sanctuary. Because those are wonderful people doing wonderful things. Well, did they know when you first did it that they were going to get this windfall? No. It wasn't exactly a windfall. But, you know, know, we sent them a tub of, of donations and then cash. And then that's what we did again last year. And we'll just continue to do that. We hope it grows and grows. It is in December, and it is kind of a very busy time for everyone. We hope we have a really good turnout this year. Amber, it's so good to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you. You're so sweet. I appreciate it. And thank you so much. And um, just keep doing what you're doing. All right. It's time now for Concise Advice from the Interview. I have only two bits of advice from drama goddess Amber Harrington. Number two, work hard. And the number one piece of advice from Eagle Theater's Amber Harrington, don't be a jerk. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Check out the blog, sallypal.com, for articles and podcast episodes. Thank you for following, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, joining, and thank you for listening. Now, now I have one bit of wisdom from my husband, George, the coolest guy on the planet. George, what's your wisdom for today? The harder you work, the luckier you get. Well said, George. Well said. Thanks for sharing your words of wisdom. If you're downloading and listening on your drive to work or rocking the artist podcast listening lifestyle like my sister does, let me know you're out there. Shared storytelling is the most important thing we do as a culture. That's why I encourage you to share your stories, because you're the only one with your particular point of view. And Sally Pal is here with resources, encouragement, and now t-shirts and totes. All the stories ever expressed once lived only in someone's imagination. Now, work hard and don't be a jerk. And now it's time for a stupid question from my daughter, Emily. Emily, what's your stupid question today? How long would it take to eat a candle? Bye.
<clears throat> That's S-H-O-P and see for yourself. Oh my God, there's a toilet in the background. Well, apparently being in the cupboard under the stairs does not eliminate toilet flushing noises. I'm going to get it this time right now. Oh my God, who keeps walking back and forth? Hey, George? Yeah. Do you have any advice? I need water. I'll have to think on that one. <laughs> time pass, time pass, time pass. Interview, interview, interview. Amber's dad writes large cast plays that are often performed. Oh, my mouth is getting tired. What if you woke up tomorrow morning and suddenly you were a bear? Oh, no, no. This isn't going well at all. I can't say any more on that topic. Oh, no. <laughs> What'd you do? Work hard and don't be a jerk. How long would it take for you to be in a hot tub until you were just gone? Like, if you just dissolve? I don't know. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Could you get back with me on that? I got another one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, bye. I love you, bye.